When I was a child and I saw on the TV these wars, I always wondered about the families, how they can endure such a thing. That's what my Russian teacher was saying today. As you know, I've been studying Russian and I've hired a few women from Ukraine to teach me Russian. She has since left Kiev and is now in France. Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. I'm Stephen Sersky. Thanks for joining me. And yes, this is my daily audio blog, a little podcast I put together every weekday. And I uh, go through some of the things that I'm going through here, some of the things I'm studying, uh, notably uh, Russian as well as Mandarin Chinese, as I do live in Beijing, China. Talk a little bit about the uh, life as an expat here. You can find all of the uh, show notes and the archives of this audio blog, go, uh, audio blog going back uh, until last May 2021. And yes, this is completely unedited, so if you don't like the... Uh, and a few cuss words from here and there, then this might not be for you. However, if you're interested in hearing something that's completely raw and off the cuff, then I'm your Huckleberry. So today I did have a Russian class once again, and so I have two Russian teachers. Um, these are two different teachers that I had from uh, compared to last year, last year I had one girl who was uh, based in uh, Lviv. Uh, the one of the other ones, one of these two, one was in Kiev and is now no longer there. Uh, the other one, uh, I'm not entirely sure where she is, but not like it matters anyway. The uh, but they both they do both speak Russian. Uh, this the girl that I had today. They're all of my Russian teachers have been women. Uh, mostly because when I'm going through uh, the, I, I went, I met these two on iTalki, and the, I was doing some research. They were the ones that popped up. Now you can, I, I can blame the AI algorithm or whatever, but uh, they were high rated, highly rated, and uh, they had a lot of reviews. But after using iTalki for a while, I don't think that reviews really count so much. That being the case. The number of classes that they put in, the cost, and their availability. Those were sort of the things that I was looking for, uh, and uh, these ladies had were basically available. And uh, one of them, they, she offered a package deal, so I was like, okay, well, I'll just buy a bunch of lessons all at once. So this is part of my effort to support uh, the, the Ukrainians during this time. Uh, it might... Some people might not agree with it, but uh, I don't know. If if you're facing troubled times, would you want um, just handouts, or would you want to still sort of try to maintain some sense of normalcy? I don't entirely know. But at the same time, I do want to learn this language, Russian, uh, and uh, I have found it very difficult to track down a Russian teacher here in, in Beijing. Not only that, they'd be far more expensive. So... Online I go, and uh, that's how I'm going to approach the language uh, for for the time being anyway. It's kind of sad because uh, the one of the one of the problems with me learning Russian is that this had actually started 
a few years ago prior, back in 2016. That's sort of when I was like, you know what, I wouldn't mind picking up another language aside from Chinese, aside from Mandarin Chinese. I have to make that distinction because Mandarin and Cantonese and some of the other dialects, they're, they're different from each other. I am studying the standardized government-mandated Mandarin Chinese. This is the version that they teach in schools. This is the versions that they teach in all provinces and regions under uh, the government's jurisdiction. It's not traditional, and it's not Cantonese. And those are two different aspects. I'm not even sure you can say they're dialects of the Chinese language. For instance, if you go to any Chinatown around the world, Vancouver, Toronto, Los Angeles, New York, those are traditional characters you're seeing. It's not simplified. A lot of those, a lot of those Chinese expats come from the southern portion of China. So I'm studying Mandarin Chinese. And with this Russian, these Russian studies that I'm doing, unlike Chinese, whereas, I mean, there's sort of a large expat community, uh, although the expat communities outside of China, in, in places that I just mentioned, Vancouver, New York, I mean, most of them are going to be speaking English anyway. Are my Chinese skills going to be useful my Chinese language skills are they going to be at all useful now I, I could actually find jobs that require these sorts of this linguistic ability to be able to speak Mandarin but in order to get those jobs I think I'd actually have to up my my Chinese game even substantially more than it is now but what about Russian I mean the, when I started back in 2016 I actually bought the Russian the Lonely Planet Russia book and then also Nicholas J. Brown's um, a Russian course book. So that was the one that uh, I just I just picked one. I was like, I got a, I, I want a physical book. I want to hold it. I'll just sit down. And I started on every Saturday. I was going through my Russian exercises. After that, I did manage to go to Russia. Uh, 2017, I, I went from Beijing all the way to Moscow. And sadly, that was also the year that my past, my dad passed away. So I had to return to Canada. That interrupted my trip. But looking at that, that trip will not happen again anytime soon. Even, even if things somehow change, get smoothed over. I'm not I'm even sure what the word to use. But... There's no taking the train from Beijing to Moscow or St. Petersburg. This whole idea of going to Moscow or St. Petersburg to write the uh, the TOEFL, the um, test of Russian as a foreign language test, it, it's, I think that's, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's possible now. I'm not sure when it's going to be possible, but I can, all of a sudden I get this sort of idea, this sense in my mind that you know, you, you always hear about um, how <laughs> you hear. I want to say you hear from old people, but these aren't old people. The, the old people I'm referring to are the old people that I had met when I was in my teens, which means that those old people were the same ages that I am now. You know, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you finish that? And you know, the old people would say, "Oh, well, you know, time just flies. Time." 
time flew by. It's it's hard to think that it was, you know, 30 years ago. Well, you know, a 15-year-old talking to a 40-year-old compared a 40-year-old talking to a 70-year-old. I mean, there are massive differences in life experiences. Massive. And 15 to 40 seems to disappear in a flash. I have no idea about 40 to 70. I'm sure they'd say, yeah, poof, gone. How? How do you make the best use of your time? I'm looking at Russian. Is it a good use of my time? When else am I going to use it? The Russian expats, after this time, do you think they're going to want to to tell anybody that they're Russian? I mean, as soon as they leave their borders from whatever propaganda they're being fed, they are going to be like, maybe they're going to declare themselves to be Ukrainian before they even mention. Hopefully they know enough Ukrainian to get by and not to slur their words to sound like Russians. Because I, I do that with uh, my Russian. I mean, often I throw in Ukrainian words. And one example of this is I have Yamayu. Yamayu is Ukrainian. But in Russian, Ya Imyeyu. But you, most people don't say that. It's Umenyeyest. They also say it in Ukrainian a little bit more. And the sense is a little bit different. Umenyeyest is in Ukrainian. Umenyeyest is in Russian. Very different. The yeah and the, the palatial e, the i sound, won't go into details. The way that they say it, the way it's pronounced, very subtle, very different. Ukrainians can tell. Russians can tell. <laughs> if we are listening to two people talk and you don't know these languages, you might not be able to hear the difference. But given some time, you'll hear it. Russian also tends to use a few more... Um, transliterated words whereas ukrainian is a little bit more i'd almost say uh, pure in its approach it has different words to that that you know russian just takes from another language uh russian borrows a lot from french ukrainian doesn't anyway it was interesting talking to, to this teacher today uh because she is multilingual she knows quite a few languages this is the lady who uh, had me <laughs> she's the one who had me put a pen in my mouth a couple months ago <laughs> and practice my pronunciation and uh, she seems to be focused on this she ha- also has an acting uh, background and I got thinking like you know in terms of proficiency th- I mean it, it, I'm not against this it's, it's, it's very good we worked on our pro- my proficiency again today um, instead of working on grammar but so this might be her strong suit. I'm looking at it going two to three minutes a day. If you practice pronunciation, 30-day challenge, can you do it? How much better would your pronunciation be in your target language? So, challenge accepted. Into the calendar it goes. 6 a.m. in the morning. Bing, 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 bing. You put the pen in your mouth and you read your your chart of vowel consonant combinations. So that's what I'm going to try to do for 30 days. We'll see how it goes. I mean, getting up at a bed. I realized today, actually, alarm goes off. Wristband alarm goes at 5.43. I get up to get the cell phone at 5.54 so it doesn't actually ring. And I think I usually get out of bed at around 6.10. I mean, it's a 30-minute delay. I I got to work on shortening that. I really do. Because things like this, where it's like, if I got up 
10 minutes early, 20 minutes early. You put into two or three minutes of Russian practice, two or three minutes of um, Chinese practice, something like just very something, something very mechanical, muscle, muscular. And I don't mean like, you know, lifting weights. I mean like muscular as in you just, you're acting warm-ups. Uh, That's what we're doing today, actually, is the, uh, not the Chinese version, but she had all these consonant vowel combinations, um, and that's just what we practiced for 10 minutes was on this. And I guess she had heard the first time that I spoke that, my pronunciation of Russian words was off. And I notice there's two things that happen. One, Ukrainian slips in there, so that's one. That's where the so-called pure vowels come in. So an O is an O, an A is an A, an E is an E, or U uh is an U. Uh. It doesn't change. Whereas in Russian, it could be, uh, O can be A, and uh, an U uh can be Ye or Yo. So there's different pronunciations. The other thing that happens with Russian... <laughs> As I start speaking Chinese, it just, because it's so much more reflexive. And that has to do with the readiness on the tip of my mind, on the tip of my tongue, you know, what do I normally say when someone says this? Well, I automatically respond with this, and that's because I've been living in that environment for so long. So what what I actually have to do prior to class, and I, I do a little bit right now, is about half an hour to an hour. An hour is better is where you start focusing on your target language. Turn on the radio, start your conjugations, just start reading, start speaking the phonemes of that target language. I have noticed that helps substantially in activating, I guess it's called activating the schema, activating the whole brain process, the mental process of actually studying the language so that you can, once you're in class, you're already you, you hit the ground running sort of thing. Your 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 mouth is activated. Your brain is activated. Your mouth is ready to say those phonemes that are necessary to give the sounds that the people will actually understand as being the language that you're studying. Right? A complicated way of saying prepare before your class. <laughs> and yes, I do uh, continue to study Russian. Uh, some people might be upset with that. That's fine. Uh, I'm not uh, too bothered by that. Uh, it's one thought that actually did cross my mind today as uh, I've upheld the idea that it's not the Russian people. Because, I, I, I mean, I have uh, Russian colleagues. I've had Russian colleagues. I know uh, a few Russians. Not too many. I mean, most of the people I know are Ukrainian background or other. <laughs> I guess now a lot of people I meet now are like either British or Chinese, but I mean, social media friend circles are primarily Ukrainian background, Ukrainian ancestry. Uh, but the thought of, you know, if I'm not blaming the Russian people, if we are not going to blame the Russian people, how much can an army or how much can a people stop an army? How much can people stop a war? We might like to say, and I say we because like, I'm not in Ukraine fighting. I'm not getting on a train or a plane to go pick up a gun and, you know, face down another guy with a gun who has been told to shoot me if I if I don't shoot him, you know, sort of thing. But, or if I do shoot him, he's got to shoot me. You know, like that. I, I'm, I'm not engaged 
directly in this war. It's, it's indirectly. One of the, these memes that's gone around on the, on the socials is uh, this one of Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, saying we need help. And then the NATO countries are like, yep, we uh, we hear you, bro. And they, they've lit up their parliament buildings, but they're not doing anything else. Now, yes, the Ukraine has received aid. They've received uh, money, supplies. They haven't received people. They haven't received foreign military personnel. That is the big thing. And the one thing that Ukraine has been asking is air support. For whatever reason, the Ukrainian army does not have the air support necessary to to combat the Russians. Now, to be the Russians don't necessarily have a very good air support system either. They have missiles that they're launching from a distance. That's one thing they do. They do have an air force. I'm actually surprised that Ukraine doesn't have one. Weren't they building these things before? That's sort of my question. Like, I thought they were integral in the development of the Soviet air force. The, the the a lot of the uh, cosmonauts, a lot of those parts for the whole um, space race were developed in parts of Ukraine. Uh, now, is, 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 are they still able to? Is that what Russia took back? You know, in the Donbass region. I don't know the specifics. But getting back to this point, what can a people do to stop an army? Uh, I mean, okay, so if we don't blame the Russian people. And the Russian people don't want this war. The Ukrainian people don't want this war. But the war is happening because some guy in a a palace is telling the people around him to send troops or an army to go invade, to go do whatever, right? Well, why don't those people stop the army? And if the army is of the people, why why is the army not attacking? Why is the army not not attacking? Like, Why don't they stop attacking? I mean, we can protest. We can say, no, all oh, this is bad. But at the end of the day, how how does a people stop a war? How does a people stop an army? Your your power base is the army, isn't it? This has been happened throughout history. I mean, I'm a, a student of history. Uh, ancient Rome, ancient Greece. I mean, how? Democracies are great. Sure, awesome. Everyone gets a voice, but... Constant debating. I think that's what you know where the strength of democracies lie is. Just this whole idea of um, well, we'll just obfuscate, obfuscate things in uh, some sort of litigious manner, and that way no one actually knows what's going on, and uh, we won't think about war too much. No, it doesn't. You know, as long as the war happens over there, sort of thing. I know modern. Foreign policy in the United States, I don't know, people hate, hate it, people love it, I don't know all the specifics, it's, you know, it, it almost seems like it's more for publishing publishing um, revenue than anything else, to tell you the truth, and yeah, disappointing. How do a people stop a war? Very good question. I'm, I'm seeing pics of Kiev and uh, Kharkiv, uh, it's, it's shocking to see <laughs> the cities are reduced to rubble, which is what Putin said he was going to do. If NATO and European Union keep kept on making these overtures of, you know, trying to get in the same bed, and he's like, "Oh, there won't be a Ukraine to join NATO if you even try to do that." He's living up to his word. That's that's the scariest thing is that he's actually he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do, and it, it's like the Western 
countries just didn't buy it. <sighs> In other news, getting on to something else, um, I was actually working on my Chinese today as well. <laughs> Speak of another controversial language, a large language, I guess. Um, <laughs> also had this thought today of the studying real Chinese because I was on Douyin. What was the other thing I was on? Um, I was using Douyin's video editor, which it shocked me at how easy it was to use. I think I had to look up three words I didn't know. But other than that, after I got past that, like the, oh, I'm doing this for, for the vocabulary effort. I was. It was an excuse. It's like, it's like watching Friends in Translation or Family Guy in Translation. You're watching it with you know, maybe the subtitles of your target language on. But honestly, you're kind of watching it because it's just kind of funny. And you like, the sh- you like the content, but you're not going purebred um, target language study. And this is what it was with this video editor to this Ingqian is what it's called, I think, um, which is a the, the video editor released by ByteDance or by Douyin, which is a Chinese version of TikTok. Very easy to use. Um, the only complication I had was that I couldn't get an audio file that I had made in a specific folder to be added to the video. That was the only problem I had. Other than that, cutting the video, um, transitions, speeding up, speeding down, or slowing down, uh, it was all very easy to do. If I edited a 1080p, it exported very quickly. If I tried to export at 4K, that's when the phone slowed down quite a bit. And this is all on my phone. All on my phone. I even had like titles and transitions and everything. So I, uh, I posted one video today, how to make coffee. And uh, the girlfriend was like, oh, you posted the video. I'm like, yeah, I think this is how we're going to communicate. <laughs> right? I see you watching these videos all the time. I think, I guess, I, maybe I have to learn how to communicate better. And this is one way that I will uh, have to learn how to communicate. It's had 400 views so far, apparently. Why? Oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm wrong. The how to make coffee one only has 40 views. The other facial gesture that I had with like, you know, where you put a mask over your face, like uh, it's an image mask. Yeah, that one had like 400 videos, uh, views. I don't know why people watch that one. Um, But yeah, so this was my real Chinese studies today. Uh, And it actually didn't start like that. I really did not want to look at my textbooks, to tell you the truth. I was like, the idea of sitting down and reading grammar terminology just did not turn me on today um as i was going out for my morning walk this morning i took a a bunch of pictures of public notices and signs with the idea that i was going to translate them and create vocab lists and i'm not sure if you guys ever done this it's always done with good intentions i have photos upon photos folders upon folders of Public notices from many different languages. Oh, yeah, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to study those words so I know what that notice says. And then something shiny happens, and you go look at something else. A woman with yoga pants walks in the cafe, and you're like, oh, well, I'd rather not look at this notice and instead focus on other things, other people in the room or other events that are happening, right? Uh, it's difficult sometimes. You have to really focus on your language studies. It's uh, not something that uh, 
it's not something that you can just pick up. You do have to actually put in the time and effort to uh, to learn those things, to learn the vocab, to learn the grammar. And so today, with my attempt at Chinese video editing, video editing with a Chinese APP, I mean, I learned some things. I couldn't recite them from memory right now, but I did create a new vocab list, a Douyin vocab list, based on the words, uh, the characters that I didn't know from... Uh, this app. Now, that being said, when I slowed down to read the characters, I was like, I knew that character, that character, that character, that character. So I knew the characters, I knew what they meant. Now, I'd never seen them put together in that fashion. So again, that's a new word for me, but I could still read it. But that only happened when I slowed down. When I slowed down, instead of trying to, you know, skim through an app as you do as as we do in English, when I slowed down and looked at things, I went, oh, okay, okay, I'll try to read this. Re- what does this tab say? It says this. Hey, I actually know that. Wow. Now, what does it actually mean? <laughs> I need an actual translation because I don't, I know the characters. I don't know the meaning. <laughs> uh, so that was my day. Real Chinese, a Russian sob story, um, I guess, you know, Russian... Uh, yeah, Russian class experience. Uh, not saying that my teacher had a sob story. It was, it was. I, I seeing her face. I'm like, wow, you look tired. <laughs> you, you look like you're not sleeping well these days. And it's because part of her family still left in Ukraine. She went to. Uh, she left so she can continue working. Uh, I'm guessing because uh, she'd said that the air raid sirens were going off every half hour. She just couldn't settle down to work. So, I, I mean, I fully respect that. And so she had to flee the country, had to leave the country in order to keep the money going, to keep the job going, to, to keep the income. So if you can, I mean, if anything, hit up italki, hit up uh, any of the shops that support Ukrainian families or uh, Ukrainian uh, personnel, and if you can, if there's a service or a product you need or you want, I mean, it's one thing that I can encourage you. If you if you're not okay with just donating money, or maybe if you're a bit more tax savvy, you're like, oh well, what's the tax? How am I going to benefit from this? I mean, in terms of tax implications, of um, in terms of you know, do you get a tax deduction on your your uh, returns or whatever? Just something to think about. I think of these alternative methods to support the people in Ukraine. I'm going to leave it there, folks. I know that was a bit of a digression <laughs> analysis of things and how they are. I uh, hope you guys got something from that. Um, hey, if you don't like me talking about this, hit me up. Troll me on Twitter with a Steven Sersky. I'm not sure if I'm really going to not talk about this. It's, it happens. Um and seeing, you know, people I know being affected by this war in Ukraine, it's it's almost surreal, to tell you the truth. It really is. It's almost surreal to even think that this is possible in this day and age. Folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. If you can, support the people, the products of Ukraine I'll have show notes and uh, the tracks available on my website, stephenserski.com. 
And yes, you can follow along with my Russian studies and my Chinese studies there uh, on there as well. Thanks for listening, folks. Take it easy out there. Slava Ukraini. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.